relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Only a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies exclusively directed by female-identified directors that prove that the female species is more deadly than the male. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the always lovely, the always, I don't know, brilliant, funny, <laughs> sure. fun to be around, beautiful Ariel. Oh, thank you for hyping me up. I appreciate it. Blah, blah, I don't know if I can build on a shoe, but I'll try. <laughs> Quiet, you. I'm not hearing it. I've gotten so good at com- taking compliments. Oh, you should- right, right. Nice. <laughs> I'm trying to lead by example. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You didn't just ignore a bunch of compliments right before we started recording. <laughs> You're right. My inability to take compliments is another thing that's wrong with me. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page. Oh so, my God. <laughs> so I'm excited about today's episode. Are you excited about today's yeah, episode? I am I'm very, very hyped. excited. Yeah, I am too. because we are going to be discussing the latest Bria Grant joint, Torn Hearts, one a movie that you and I have been eagerly anticipating ever since we covered her previous film, Twelve Hour Shift. I know. I know. I've been looking forward to this movie for so long, and she kept posting stuff on social media about it, and I just got more and more hyped to see it. I'm so glad we finally got our hands on it. Greedy little eyeballs on screen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before we get into that, let's just do some quick housekeeping because we've had some kind of cool things happening around here lately. Mm -hmm. First of all, uh, you did a little guest appearance I think is worth hyping. Oh, on Bloody Good Horror? Yeah. Yes, I did. Um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you for reminding me yeah matilda and i went on bloody good horror and we covered monstrous with christina ricci it was really fun yeah that's such a great crew of people it's always fun even if the movie is a little swing wing wing the conversation about it is always really interesting (laughs) i know i know yeah it's true because i've been on there a few times lately and i haven't liked all of the movies very much but it's still so much fun to talk about them with those guys Mm -hmm. so yeah it was great it was great absolutely I also did a little guest spot recently. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. I hung out with the guys, or the dads, I guess, from Dads from the Crypt, which is a Tales from the Crypt exclusive podcast. We had so much fun. We reviewed the episode, Bed Rest, which stars Mimi Rogers and Ooh. Kathy Ireland. <laughs> it is a, a time capsule. Time capsule. Yeah. That's but awesome. It was an interesting episode. It weirdly has some thematic ties to the movie we're going to be talking about oh, today. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some interesting gender politics in that. I also gave them spooky beauty tips throughout history, which included drinking arsenic and radium makeup. And awesome. Modern day vampire facials. Like it, it was a lot of fun. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I There's that su- was a thing. <laughs> I know. Although apparently they work. So I'm really? kind of like. I don't like oh. needles, though, but I kind of want one. Huh. I don't know. I, I mean, I just think I'm a sucker for a beauty treatment, though. I'm right. Like, whatever That's it is, do it, do it to it. my face. Do it to my face. <laughs> whatever is going to fix what's happening up here, do it to my face. <laughs> no, but it was really fun. They're super funny. We went on a whole tangent about black metal and, like, queerness in the black metal scene. And it was, I don't know. That it was awesome. It's a really great episode. They're super funny, super cool, awesome dads. I'm not a parent, but one of my favorite things about the show is when they give dad advice. Yes, I know. Did you listen to the episode where they were talking about the sex ed conversation? (laughs) No, but that sounds awesome. One of them has a kid that's like old enough that they're learning Uh things from other kids in class. And they're like, no, 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 no. no. We got to get into this. We got to get into this before. (laughs) We got to fix all that. Before they have to unlearn some shit, let's teach them about sex. 
And uh, kids say the darndest things. I don't want to oh, spoil sure do. what is said because it's hilarious and so like, oh no. <laughs> but like it comes from such an innocent place. It's hilarious. Like, I would, I could never be a parent and discipline my kid because I think I would just laugh at everything. Yeah, that is hard. I, I would just imagine. crack up whenever they're bad. I would be that parent that like when you're like, why are you laughing? <laughs> Your kid is misbehaving as much as that annoys me. And I've seen other people real talk and that would 100% me. Because yeah. I would think it's funny. Yeah. My sister and my brother-in-law got annoyed with me because I couldn't stop laughing when they were having problems with their little kid uh, swearing a lot. But it's just See, so it's funny. hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> See, it would be really hard. They would never take me seriously. I would just laugh. <laughs> I mean, I'm a laugher. You know what That's I mean? True. In life. Imagine if it was my kid, I would laugh constantly. It would be bad. (laughs) (sighs) The other thing we have going on, which is really, really cool, is it is Pride Month, y'all. What are we doing to celebrate Pride Month? So we are doing a sort of a campaign on our social media account five days a week for the entire month. We are highlighting different LGBTQ plus horror creators. So we're doing podcasters and YouTubers and writers and directors um, yeah, and a different one every day. It's been really great. And you know what I love about this is I feel like our community grows a little bit every time. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? Because, yes, we follow these creators and we have these parasocial relationships with them. But this is the <laughs> first time we actually make contact. And then I always I always feel like we come away from these months with, like, new friends and a better, more enriched horror community. Like Yeah, personally. absolutely. Because we're all, like, commenting on each other's stuff. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking to them behind the scenes to get stuff that we need for the posts. And, yeah, it feels like it, it gets bigger because mm-hmm. of that. And discovering people that I actually didn't know existed before is always really great. Absolutely. The other thing that's fun is sometimes they end up coming on the show. Yes. We're not going to spoil it yet, but we got a few people lined up. <laughs> that we do. And I am so excited to speak to each and every one of them. It's going to be another one of those obnoxious episodes where I just fangirl and turn into like a golden <laughs> retriever for the whole episode. Like, hee hee hee. Love me. Love me. Ha oh ha ha. <laughs> and then I'm going to be humiliated, but I'll do it again. So I guess I'm not that humiliated. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, lots of really cool stuff happening in this next month or so. So stay tuned. And, you know, speaking of people coming on the show, there may be a dad from the crypt sometime soon, mm-hmm, which I'm very excited about. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, we got a job to do today. Enough of this future nonsense. Let's talk about what we're talking about today. Like I said, we're going to be reviewing Torn Hearts, directed by Beria Grant. And uh, in case someone is here for the first time, how do we handle spoilers on this show? Yeah, so eventually we're going to spoil the whole movie, but first I'm going to tell you a little bit about Bria Grant and the making of this movie, and then Rachel and I will give you our non-spoiler sort of mini-review, what we think of it, and then the floodgates open, we're going to talk about the whole thing, but we'll give you a warning beforehand so you know if you want to jump out, but what I would recommend doing is just watching the movie, Just watch and the then movie. listen. Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right, well, you know I'm a Bria Grant fr- fangirl, but... I still would like you to tell me all about her once again. Yes. (laughs) So we have covered Bria Grant stuff multiple times in the past on this show. I will highlight those as I'm talking, but just know that I'm going to do a little bit of a abbreviated biography because we already covered her in depth in a prior episode. So Bria Grant is so cool, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) But she is a triple threat because she is an actor, a writer, and a director. As an actor, she's possibly best known for her recurring role on Friday Night Lights. That was one of her earliest things she did. Mm -hmm. And one of the stars of Eastsiders and for the horror movie After Midnight. I think that's one of the things that first got her on our radar. But more recently, she has starred in the horror film Lucky, for which she also wrote the script. We covered that on the show in episode 25, so you can go back and listen to that. We also interviewed Bria Grant and Lucky director Natasha Kermani, so you can find that in our feed, too, in one of the Director Cuts episodes. I think that might have been our very first Director's Cut episode. Oh, was Was it? it? I don't don't know. (laughs) No, 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 because we did um, A Nightmare Wakes first, I think, didn't we? Right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. That was another really fun interview. If you, haven't watched, if you have not listened to that one, go back. Yeah, it's interesting. They were great as well. So, and then last year, she starred in The Stylist, which we reviewed in episode 32 mm-hmm. of our podcast. But This is she, basically an unofficial <laughs> Bria Grant fan podcast, is what I mean, we're saying. 
<laughs> essentially, we're Bria Grant super fans. So yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. <laughs> so she started her career as a director with the feature film Best Friends, which she wrote, directed, and starred in. And then her second feature, and one of our favorite movies of 2020, was 12 Hour Shift, which she so both wrote the script good. for and directed. Yes, it's so good. We reviewed that one, too. You can check out that episode. That's where we went in-depth on her biography. So if you want to know more about things that she did prior to making these movies, her thoughts about filmmaking, all of that good stuff, you should go back and listen to that episode because Rachel did a good job on that one. Oh. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about Torn Hearts, but she has been so busy because on top of the release of Torn Hearts, she also wrote the script for and starred in the indie sci-fi horror comedy Madelines, which came out this year, too. What? It's just crazy. Yes, you can watch this on Amazon Prime right now. You can rent it. What? How did I miss this? I know. <laughs> Somehow this flew under our radar. I'm not exactly sure what happens. I feel like we talked about it at one point a long time ago and then totally forgot it about it. But yeah, it came out. So we got to watch that one, too. Uh, Yes. So she is still doing some acting, but these days she's mostly focused on writing and directing, which is where her true passion lies. When she was acting all the time, she started to feel like she had more to offer creatively than she could express with acting alone. But she calls herself an actor's director because she really understands them, likes working with actors, and she enjoys working with them to sort of flesh out their characters and loves to allow actors to improvise, which is really great. And she credits that with all of the acting she's done. So on top of all that, she also writes graphic novels and is the co-host of a long-running weekly podcast for book lovers called Reading Glasses. I don't know how she gets all this stuff done, like multiple movies every year and (laughs) all this other stuff. (laughs) It's crazy. I don't know. Hermione Granger time turner? I don't don't know. That's the only explanation. I need one of those. Yes. No All right. Except for I would only use, I would just use it for naps. Like I would just be like, another nap, another nap, another nap. <laughs> it would not be a productivity tool. It would just be a nap tool. <laughs> All right. So as for Torn Hearts, it is actually the first film that she's directed that she didn't also write the script for. Mm. So after 12 Hour Shift came out, Blumhouse contacted her. And at their meeting, she told them that she loved Southern stuff because she grew up in a small town in Texas. And she wanted to tell women's stories and work with women over 40. So I know. So after they had this meeting, they sent her a script. And they sent her the script for Torn Hearts, written by Rachel Kohler Croft. And she was thrilled because it was a country music horror movie with complex. I've never seen before. Exactly. (laughs) Totally new. (laughs) With complex women characters who weren't in their teens. And so she was sold on that. She told CBR.com, quote, I think women are pitted against each other in so many ways within the entertainment industry in a way that's not good. So I want people to walk away thinking about that while not judging these women. That was really important to me from the beginning to create these fully fleshed out characters, these interesting women who had flaws, who did things that we didn't necessarily agree with, but we can see why they made these choices. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. I think I think she succeeded. (laughs) <laughs> i do yeah. i, I yeah, mean we'll no, get I into it but i'm thinking about the notes that i wrote for my review mm-hmm. and i'm like okay well <laughs> without yep. having read that quote that's kind of one of the things i talk about in my review <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so when she started on the project she was sent a list of names of possible actors who they could potentially hire to be in the movie uh-huh. and one of the people on the list was katie seagal ah! <laughs> <laughs> i love katie seagal so much i know i know <laughs> So Rhea Grant asked if they thought she would actually do it, and she was told probably not. (laughs) So I don't know why her name was on the list, but they were like, yeah, I don't think she'll probably agree to it because she'd never done horror before. But Rhea Grant loved the idea so much, she decided to just take her shot, and she wrote her a letter. So (laughs) that's kind of interesting considering what the plot of this movie is. (laughs) Oh my god, I hadn't even thought about that. She so essentially, right. I mean, she didn't show up with a pie on her doorstep, but, but like, not kinda. that far. Off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Katie Seagal read the script and ended up loving the idea and signed on for the movie. So in the movie, the two main characters, Lee and Jordan, go to Katie Seagal's house, her character's house. And Bria's inspiration when helping to design the house, because as Rachel, I'm sure we'll talk about, it is this very full, very fleshed out idea of where this woman would live. 
right? Yeah. And so Bria Grant says that her inspiration for designing the house were Grey Gardens, Sunset Boulevard, Mm -hmm. and Misery. You know what? Uh There are shades of Annie Wilkes in this. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So instead of going for a dark and creepy aesthetic, she decided she wanted to create a maximalist feminine vibe that had some whimsy about it. Mm-hmm. And she decided the sinister pink again. Yep, <laughs> which mm-hmm. we love. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she decided that since Katie Seagal's character was supposed to be famous in the 80s and 90s when country music was full of like fringe and sparkles and bright colors, that her house would reflect that too. Now, Grant was pretty nervous about making a horror movie with country music in it because she said she felt like punk and metal kind of go hand in hand with horror, but she'd never really seen anything with country music in it before Mm -hmm. and wasn't sure that audiences would be receptive to it. So for the movie, they actually ended up writing five original songs Mm. and the actors actually sang them. I think that that's clear. I saw yeah. something about one of the actors being a, also being a singer-songwriter, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I bet they both are. Yes. The original script actually had lyrics written in it, in the back of mm. the script, and Bria Grant really liked them, and she ended up working with producer Alan Ett to complete the songs. They sent them back and forth between them and finished all of the songs over a course of a week. Wow. And then the actors just had a couple days to go in and record them. Hmm. Holy shit. Which is kind of crazy. So she said that she took a lot of inspiration from other country songs, like with the Torn Hearts song. She wanted Mm -hmm. that to have a very pop country vibe. Yeah. But she wanted the old Dutch Sisters songs to feel more like Loretta Lynn. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. I could see that. Yeah. Now, if you didn't already know this, but I'm guessing you did, Rachel, as a Katie Seagal super fan. (laughs) She actually started her career as a singer-songwriter. she can sing. Yes, Mm -hmm. before transitioning to acting. She even worked as a backing vocalist for Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. Etta James and Olivia Ooh, Newton-John. <laughs> didn't know about Etta James. That's wild. Yeah, right? <laughs> Good for her. Yeah, I knew she could sing. I can't remember what it was, but there was something she did where she sang. And I, and I was like, holy shit. Maybe it was an episode of Futurama or something. Yeah. And and that's when I found out that she actually had, like, that's what her background was, mm-hmm. was saying. And I was like, mm, of course, of course. What <laughs> can't so Katie Seagal do? I know. <laughs> Suck. I know. That's what she can't do. <laughs> And over the years, she's actually recorded three albums of her own, which I had no idea. But she did. Katie Seagal, she's amazing. I have a cat named after one of her characters. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's how much I love her. Yeah. I do. And I mean, Peg Bundy has a huge influence on my personal style as well. Like, I I never understood why that was a joke. You know, when that came out, I was a fetus Uh and I was like, but that's goals. (laughs) What's the joke? What's the joke? (laughs) Where do I get those pants? <laughs> how do I make my And how do I in? look like that in them? Like I a pig bundy well, that's is the thing, right? <laughs> I mean, I love me some pig bundy. Oh yeah. Al bundy not so much. Pig bundy. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, in the scene where the women, the three women are actually singing together at a microphone, that's actually all of them singing live. They're not lip syncing to a pre-recorded track there. Really? Yeah. And apparently when they did it, Bria Grant said that she was having trouble getting the scene to work. It just wasn't quite coming together. So Katie Seagal actually said, let me see if I can do something. And she stepped away, figured it out, came back, organized it, and then they got the scene. Like right Really? Then. Yeah. yeah. Co-directors, Katie Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> I also just love that Bria Grant is was willing, not only willing to do that, but also to talk about it, you know, and not try yeah. to hide the fact that there's a scene that she didn't really, you know, totally direct herself. I mean, I think that's especially relevant considering the agenda of the film that as she was making mm-hmm. the film, that she she is in her life, not just making the art that reflects the problem, but actually walking the walk and yep. And then yeah, also and celebrating those contributions. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think that's really great. And honestly, I'm not surprised. I know. I know. Yeah. Me neither. Mm-hmm. So what is she doing next? She is starring in a sci-fi thriller directed by Jacob Gentry, who was one of the directors of The Signal. Remember that movie, Rachel? Oh, you, that one. you know it. Which segment did he do? I don't know, actually. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it my favorite? The middle one that's so weird? Ooh, I hope so. Jacob. I'm not sure. I'm googling but continue while I google and it's set to come out next year so that's really cool and then on top of that she is one of the writers and directors for the tv show called unconventional it's about two queer siblings in their 30s trying to start a family 
and it's currently filming, but I'm not sure when it will air. I couldn't find anything about that. So we'll just have to keep an eye out for it. All right. Well, I will definitely. Oh, wait. I think he also directed Broadcast Signal Intrusion. Oh, I haven't seen that. Is that true? (sighs) (laughs) It's 99% the best movie of last year. Oh, that's the one you told me I should stay away from because the ending would frustrate me so much? It's That's the thing is the ending is incredibly frustrating, which is a shame because up until the end, Mm -hmm. it is, like I'm telling you, one of the best movies of last year. It just ends, though. It's a mystery. It's all set up to, like, it's building towards giving you an answer. And then you just don't get it. Then you just don't get it. Which, I mean, I'm sure was intentional. That doesn't happen by accident. There's probably some thematic thing that that he's getting at. And, you know, listen, it's his art. He does what he wants. But for me, as a viewer, it was very frustrating. I had, like, massive mystery blue balls. Um, But what I, what it does tell me, though, is that the dude can direct the shit out of a super tense scene. Mm, so I okay. think in space, I mean, you know I love some space like, sci-fi horror thrillery action. I'm tr- still trying to figure out which section he directed. <laughs> if it's section one, that's the scariest part of the movie. So I need to watch that one again. It's so good. It is so good. Anyway, sorry no I'm, you're fine you got me very excited thinking about the signal so now i'm like <laughs> trying to track this information down <laughs> awesome all right well i'm excited to see it whatever whatever she does next you know i'm down for do you know if she's directing anything new or is, is it kind of quiet on that front so the the tv show is one that she's directing oh, right. and writing yes. she Sorry. has talked about how she wants to continue to work in horror and genre productions because she feels like the community is so welcoming and she gets to be super creative that way. So I imagine that she probably will work on a horror movie again soon, but just maybe not quite yet. Oh, cool. Okay. I have confirmed Jacob Gentry directed my favorite part, the Ooh, middle part. Okay. Awesome. The oh, weird, so funny part that's yeah. also super disturbing. Awesome. So that is very cool. Very, very cool. Yep. Anyway, sorry. You, you have rabbit holed me. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, you know, I never get tired of hearing you talk about these women directors, especially Bria Grant. But let's get into what we thought of the movie itself. Would you like me to go first? Or would yeah, you like go, to for go first. Okay. All right. So off the bat, I'm just going to put it out there. I really like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. You too? Okay. Good. I did, so we yes. never compare notes. So I never I know. know if we're going to agree. <laughs> I really liked it a lot. I think Grant has found this lane that I really like in both her writing and in her directing where she mm-hmm. focuses on these really complicated Women who are not necessarily good. They're also not bad. They're complicated. They're messy. And they're behaving very badly oftentimes. And that is my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. And so what I have learned now is if I go to a Bria Grant Joy, I'm going to have my favorite lane attended to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that the women in this are super complicated and sometimes they behave in ways that are awful, but they do still maintain that level where you are sympathetic to them. Or even if you don't aren't sympathetic to what they're doing, you understand why. There's some realism in their choices, you know, why they're making the choices they make. Yeah. Yes. But then also there's a shit ton of camp in this movie. (laughs) Katie Seagal is chewing the scenery. And then there's all the sequins and all the pink gates and all those kinds of things, those visual elements, all that camp. I just love it. So, of course, of course, I was going to love it. It was kind of a guarantee. I think the performances are great. Katie Seagal is just incredible, as always, and electric to watch. I was not familiar with Abby Quill or Alexis Lemire, but... I think that they're really believable in this movie. Mm -hmm. I would say if you have not watched this yet, there are a lot of twists and turns in this. And and it requires a lot of shifts in performance. And I think that they really nailed that. Joshua Leonard shows up in this as Richie Rowley Jones, who's like a sleazy (laughs) music agent. He's really good. He's great. And there's his banter with, uh, or I guess... I wouldn't call it banter because it's pretty one-sided. His scene with Katie Seagal is pretty hilarious. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that scene. Yeah. I think overall it's just a really twisty, fun horror film that pairs really well with 12-Hour Shift because there is some mm-hmm. thematic crossover and like vibe. And it, it just made my fandom for Bria Grant continue to grow. I do have some conflicted feelings about the very, very end, the prologue, but – 
I'm kind of going back and forth about it. And I think we'll have to talk more about it in spoilers because yeah. I there's two parts of me at war with it. Yep. There's one that's like, yes, of course. And then there's another part of me that's like, but why? But I don't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So it's not a criticism. It's just my experience. But yeah, I think overall, that quibble aside, it's a great time. You should definitely, if you're interested, you should definitely rent it and watch it. Yeah, I mean, I feel largely the same way. You kind of said it all there. This movie is really fun, and I enjoyed it so much. I mean, I thought I was going to enjoy it because, like you said, we love Bria Grant, and we've loved pretty much everything she's done. So I'm not surprised, but it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I love the world building in this with the backdrop of the Nashville music scene and how they did the wardrobe styling and the set decorating. Like they, She really fleshed out a whole world here. Katie Seagal is amazing and she goes from being, I don't know, like sad and tragic to totally unhinged and campy. (laughs) I know. It's so great. (laughs) It's so much fun to watch. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. is just terrific. The other thing is that the music is actually very catchy and enjoyable. And Uh a lot of times we've said this with other movies that have music in them, but a lot of times when they make up new songs and stuff, you have to suspend your disbelief so much to buy Mm -hmm. into the fact that these people are talented because the music sucks. (laughs) Yep. But here I totally bought it, right? Because everything is so good and so well produced that it felt really believable that they actually had people wanting to hear their music, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think it does an interesting job of exploring fame and the dynamics of sort of creative partnerships and how weird parasocial relationships can be. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff was really interesting, but it's all packaged in something that is just really, really fun to watch. So I would highly recommend checking this one out. It's really good. Yeah. Agree. Agree. All right. So you now know our thoughts. You know where we fell on this. You are armed with the information you need to know should you be averse to spoilers. We are now going to get into the spoiler zone. So if you are anti-spoiler or you've already seen it, you don't care, whatever the case may be, they're going to start right now. So this is me giving you time to get the hell out of here and watch the movie. It's on Prime. Rent it. Check it out and come back and listen to our more um, spoiler and in-depth thoughts about the movie. Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay, but first, I'm going to give you a synopsis. And this okay, doesn't have do major spoilers in it, but if you, you know, I didn't I didn't give away the whole end and stuff, but there are some spoilers in here, so just know that. All right. Jordan and Lee are best friends and a country singing duo called Torn Hearts, hence the name of the movie. They have actually have plenty of talent. They're just in that place where they're still really looking for that big break. They think they may have found it with this opportunity to go on a tour, but that doesn't really work out so great. But in the in the process, Jordan happens upon a photo of this guy that she hooked up with, um, <laughs> with Harper Dutch, who was half of this duo that the two of them are obsessed with called the Duchess Sisters, which came to an end when one of them committed suicide. Or did she? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they decide... What they're going to do is they're tired of waiting for someone to give them their big break. They're going to go and get it themselves. So they head out to her house without, you know, calling ahead or giving them any warning out in the middle of nowhere. When they get there, it's sort of dilapidated looking. But their plan is to go knock on her door, meet her and try to get her to record a song with them because they think (laughs) so crazy. I mean, you gotta let you can't knock the hustle. You know true, what I mean? True. That is impressive. And we do we do stand a woman hustler on this podcast. <laughs> so at first Harper is not really interested in letting them in. However, eventually they say the right thing and she's like, okay. She allows them in. And she recognizes something in the two of them that feels very familiar and agrees to do a song with them and mentor them, but instead she starts playing mind games. <laughs> mind games that are meant to divide and conquer the friends and to allow her to perhaps atone for a mistake in her past. Unfortunately, that plan works a little too well. <laughs> and yep, that is it for Torn Hearts without giving every detail away. Uh, that's our synopsis. I was just muted that whole time and didn't realize it. And I've been talking. <laughs> oh, no. Were you like, God, Rachel's fucking rude. <laughs> Just talking right on over me. <laughs> uh, I just thought you, I mean, you were having like a little 
flame attack. So I thought that you were busy uh, clearing house, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I was for a second, and then I just forgot to unmute. <laughs> well, what were you saying? Now I feel I like I missed know. out on some gold. Just a little, you know, laughing, comments, whatever. It's fine. I don't laughing know what I comments. Said. I mean, that's like what powers me. <laughs> <laughs> i kind of meant laughing and comments but okay. yes okay. i'll take it i'll take it all all right well now that you're unmuted and now that the spoiler yes. barn doors are open i don't know i'm trying <laughs> to i don't know country i don't know oh, right you're right i'm I trying okay. i'm not good at this it, I, I see it yeah, i see it now that the spurs nope nope that's not better <laughs> i don't know now that the... <laughs> um Carrie Underwood. No, no, it's not getting better. Let's move forward. Okay. 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 <laughs> what did you think of this movie? <laughs> this movie is great. I think it's really fun. There's nothing like truly revolutionary about the plot structure itself. Mm-hmm. But what does feel really fresh is the fact that it's a nearly all female cast mm-hmm. and the guys that are there are so like, we don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? prizes, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that it has a woman in her 60s in this movie, too. And the way that they portray her, too. Because, okay, a lot of times when you have older women in horror, what ends up happening is it kind of tends to fall into that realm of where the horror comes from the terror of women aging and the way their body looks, right? That's where the horror comes from. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is that like? Hag horror? There's like a yes. word for it. Mm-hmm. Hagsploitation. Hagsploitation. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I knew it was in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it often falls into that, and even like great movies that you know, like what happened to Baby Jane, right? Mm-hmm. They they do that to perfection because there's is horror in the way that these women are aging, but the whole movie is like a commentary on that, of course. X kind of explores that too but a lot of times it's just oh god look at these women they're aging and it's gross and i don't want to look at it and that's where the horror is you know yeah but Mm -hmm. here the horror really comes from harper's psychology yeah and how unhinged she is and has become because of what happened with her sister how the music industry treated her how fans treated her the media Ageism plays a role in what's happening here, but it's a different kind. It's the horror of the system, not the horror of the aging itself. Yes, exactly. Where they talk, Mm -hmm. she talks about the fact that as soon as she hit 35, like everybody was done with her, right? Yeah. Yeah. But she still is presented in the way that her hair is done, her makeup is done, and the way they dress her as though she's still hot. Right, Which, she's still for the record and powerful, and she is. <laughs> I mean, one hundred percent, yes. <laughs> but a lot of times, that's not how somebody in their sixties would be portrayed, and so I love that change. It definitely freshens it up, and I think makes it a little newer because of that. I agree, absolutely. Yeah. I also love the way you. I think you mentioned this earlier about how it explores kind of horizontal hostility between the two Ooh, protagonists. Oh yeah. Because it's like, in some ways, they are opposites of each other. Their talents are different. So one is more they of the could front. Compl- they could complement exactly. each other. Exactly. They should have, there should be a level of respect because they complement each other and they kind of need each other because of that, because their strengths mm-hmm. lie in totally different areas. But because of the way society has pitted them against each other it's like they can't share the fame because they've been taught that the only way to be on top is to compete with other women you know so instead of uplifting each other and becoming bonded in you know the fact that in the struggle yes in the struggle and in the fact that they both need each other in order to succeed because everybody has different fucking talents right yes yeah but instead, they're just pitted against each other and so jealousy creeps in that competition creeps in and it is heartbreakingly easy to pull the two of them apart and get them to fight each other what i love about this is that it doesn't indict ambition ambition is fine in this movie like and there is that's a tricky sort of line to yeah that's true Mm -hmm. where they're not punished for their ambition they're i mean they're talented they have what it takes to go to the top that it's never in question what the problem is, where the crux of the horror is, is how they go about achieving their goals. And the fact that they have bought into this cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale of yeah. how tearing each other's and each other down in order to climb to the top. And that is a nuance that I think it turns this movie into what could be 
you know, a troubling depiction of women and ambition into mm-hmm. like an actually really interesting commentary on the way that the industry exploits and turns women against each other. Yeah. It perpetuates this idea. And there's like, because it's multi-generational, the way that those kinds of things get passed down. When women are like, well, in my day, you should oh, be able yeah. to put up with this kind of behavior. Right. That's not specifically said here, but that dynamic mm-hmm. exists in this mm-hmm. mentorship. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And you're right. It is so nuanced. And I think that what Bree Grant has to say is new and interesting and we haven't seen done quite this way before. So yeah. it yeah, feels fresh. And also the parasocial relationship here between <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially between Lee and Harper Dutch, where mm-hmm. she has been so obsessed with this woman for so long that she doesn't just want to work with her or collaborate with her. She really wants to inhabit her. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think you really see that at the end of this movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I mean, because it almost plays in these possession tropes or like Yes. What's interesting is that it starts off in one direction and by the end is another one. It goes in the other direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it becomes about Harper, her legacy moving forward. She almost wants to colonize Lee. Mm, But with hope, like basically she's putting her, the spirit of hope into her sort of, even though it's not as a... Uh, like an actual supernatural possession thematic or like you know metaphorically similar Mm -hmm. she almost sees her as the second coming of hope almost like a reincarnation possession via reincarnation yeah that she can do for this woman what she didn't do for her sister yeah but i think it's more than that i think she almost feels like because she has whatever's going on with her where she thinks hope is still there even though the movie itself is not supernatural whatever's happening in 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 harper's psychology is yeah i mean i think you especially see that in those scenes where yeah where she keeps seeing her instead of the the dummy or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah it's really interesting Mm -hmm. yeah and and i do like the way it there's some commentary too about the difference between men and women in the same industry and how they're treated with caleb crawford Because I do think that there's so much truth to the idea that things are coming easier to him, you know, and this movie reminded me a lot of other movies. We've talked about some of them already, but also, um, did you ever see All About Eve? It's an old black and white movie. Have I ever told you how much I respect you as a person, (laughs) as a friend, as a film aficionado? It's it's a similar thing where it's like an older actress played by Betty Davis and a younger actress who she's mentoring. And then there's like competition and stuff like that. Anyways, I won't go into the whole thing. But there's this quote, and I might quote it wrong, but Betty Davis says about this other guy. She's like, Bill is 30 or whatever. Bill's like 30. He looks 30. He looked at five years ago and he'll look at 20 years from now. Mm. And I think that that is so true the way that we treat actors, singers or whatever, where women are so villainized for and judged for getting older. For the audacity of being human enough to age. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. In a way that men just aren't, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think the gender politics in this are really interesting Mm -hmm. because, like I said, they're in a place of nuance that we're not used to seeing and i wonder if that comes from the fact that we have a woman writer and a woman director we don't have to do the constant one-on-one we can actually explore the gray areas right you know what i mean no that's a good point you mm -hmm. can go a little more in depth because we're already kind of on the same page Mm -hmm. i and i think some of the like most interesting aspects of this are the stuff where i mean because once we get in that house, we essentially never leave, right? But there's no. some pre-house stuff where we get we get a real brief kind of primer on what the industry looks like. We've got the sleazy boyfriend slash promoter guy. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the, the guy who's made it, Caleb Crawford, right? He goes there ostensibly to see them perform because she, he wants them on the tour, brings one of them home, has sex with them, but doesn't tell them. Now that that uh you know he yeah, knew he no prior intention. to this right. that there was never a chance she was going to be on the tour, and then when she's just kind of like, how long have you known this? Because mm-hmm. because it's super fucking exploitative what he did. It did not give her the option to make a choice. He right. prevented her from making a choice by withholding information, and then tries to flip it on her. It's it's subtle shit, but I'm like, ooh, 
yeah, I and you see learn you. so much about it. Just the way that they're talking about things when they're in the club or the bar or whatever, mm-hmm. and then what happens with him. Yeah, it gives you a real insight into what that industry is like. And then he gives her this patronizing speech oh, about waiting her turn and being patient. And so with this as the backdrop, when it introduces these other themes, you're like, okay, I see how Mm -hmm. these things correlate and the way that this kind of internalized misogyny and patriarchy in, you know, sets women up for competition. Yeah. And the trap, I mean, but it's a trap. It's a trap. In this, in this movie, it's literally the trap of this house that like turns into a fortress when Harper's ready for it too, because she's already been in this trap, right? Yeah. But it's also a symbolic trap. And I think that those things kind of go hand in hand because there are many times throughout the runtime of this movie where solidarity might have saved them. But once again, they fell into this trap of of competition. Yeah. Yeah. Competition and jealousy. And so they fight each other instead of fighting to the system or to get on top. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it also kind of... Like I said, the way it's perpetuated through the generations is interesting, but it also touches on the way that some women, modern women, ignore mm-hmm. how progress and like the quality of their lives are linked with feminism. Yep. You choosing to stay in the home and be traditional, there's nothing wrong with it, but that it was a choice is linked to feminism. Yes, of course. And and that sisterhood and feminism and progress are inextricably linked. Mm-hmm. And to to ignore that is to fall into the trap that these women. Yeah, are. of course. And to fall into that trap of like, I can get ahead and be in the same place of power as men if I step on all the women behind me. Right. And thinking that that's feminism. You will never have power no. by nope. aligning yourself with the patriarchy. You will only ever be second best. Yep. You will never be fully protected. In the moment, it might feel like mm-hmm. proximity to power gives you power. But at the end of the day, you will never have it. You will yep. never be safe. No, you will so, never be safe. And you're just sold out all the other women to get there, to yep. get that limited amount of power you're going to get. Yep. 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 I think that this movie has some really, really interesting things to say. And I really appreciated that. I do too. But on top of all of that, it's also really fun. And it's kind yeah, of silly too. it's hilarious in parts. The scene between Har- I I hinted at it, but the scene between Harper and Richie Rowley Jones <laughs> is fanned just tapping her finger, that, mutilating that uh, pie. I know. You know, with him talking nonsense in the background, and yes. she's just like cutting into this pie and uh-huh. just beating it up and mashing it up before she goes in for the kill oh it's so good and that finger tapping thing is great apparently katie seagal put that in as a character thing like a nervous tick and kind of a giveaway to how she's feeling but yeah it's like all of her rage is in that finger and Uh i i love it it's the power of katie seagal she says almost nothing to begin with she just asks like rumors that's the line you know what (laughs) i mean and you just watch him melt under yeah. the just the oh. weight of her power and i know she's your antagonist but she's also katie seagull <laughs> she's a very enjoyable antagonist to watch and i was just rubbing my hands together like, yeah <laughs> i can't wait for the stabbing to commence <laughs> put that energy where it belongs yes. <laughs> and it's not in the girl you have locked in the basement <laughs> Which is another great scene, by the way. Oh, it's so that good. And fight scene is so intense. Yeah, it is very intense, and it felt real to me the way it was mm-hmm. choreographed. You know, it hurt, and it hurt, it hurt, and it felt like real grappling. You know, yeah, and it hurt because it looked like it hurts, but it also hurt because you're like, no, <laughs> don't do this, do not. But it's and it's such an interesting character turn for Lee at that point. Yeah. Because that's when you really start to see her true colors. Right. Because you think of her as being not hardened in that way. Softer. She seems softer. She seems softer and not like she would be willing to go there ever. Right. So the fact that she does is is kind of shocking. And especially with as much force as she's willing to go there with, you know? Yeah. I love that, that Harper is also not just a hysteric. Oh, you no, really see her intelligence and the way that mm-hmm. she sees them so clearly. And for a long time in the movie, you don't understand how clearly she sees them because right. you think 
they play to a certain trope or a certain archetype. So which works to allow for the reveal in the that last act of who people really are. But in that moment, it also confirms that what Harper basically clocked them at the doorbell. Oh, yeah. Was accurate. Yeah. Both and, of them. Because <laughs> she starts in on the subtle manipulation very quickly. Very and you don't quickly. totally see what she's doing. And you definitely don't see what her end game is for quite a while, which makes it really fun. Mm-hmm. You know? I wondered if you saw you're you're someone who always sees stuff coming. I never do. So I was always I was shook by all of the <laughs> twists and turns to the very end. I was worried you're coming here and be like, yeah, I knew right away. This is what was happening. <laughs> ah, no, damn I mean, it. Because of the like before I said the, that the plot structure itself wasn't super new. And so there were parts of it that I was like, OK, I kind of understand what's going on here. But I did not see that final beat happening the way it did at all. And I didn't see the fight happening either. I think part of it is because it subverted this idea that because she clearly saw herself in in Jordan, mm-hmm. and but she didn't have loyalty. She actually saw her as the target. Yeah, which I, was not what I was expecting. No, the fact that she hates herself for what she did to her sister and is going to right. transfer that and right. use them to you know basically fix the things that went wrong before and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put all of her sister into Lee. It's so, it's crazy. It's yeah. great. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I love, I really love the house too. I mm-hmm. mean, there is so much put into that house. Every nook and cranny and surface is covered with things that are interesting and that fit in so well. All the tchotchkes, all the pink, yep. all the 80s decor, even the weapons being pink. I mean, when Katie Seagal opens up her closet and, like, <laughs> behind the clothes it's and takes such a great this giant scene. pink shotgun. It's so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> I have to say, though, it was a little distressing because it's clearly the ghost of Christmas future for me. Because <laughs> 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 my fantasy is to have an all pink room. I always say, like, when we, you know, I want to have, like, a dressing room uh-huh. that is just all mid-century modern pink, like, 1950s uh-huh. super kitsch. So when I was watching that, I was like, oh, no. Because I was like, I clearly, I see the gates. I see the the doors. I see all these things, these pops of pink that are character moments. You know, like, yeah. I know why they exist, but I'm also like, chic. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And the, the country clothing, the stuff she dresses them up in and the way she changes Amazing. her outfits with all the jackets with tons of fringe on them. Mm-hmm. and sparkles oh it was so good it's so good and it makes it feel really rich and i know that uh when this movie was made blumhouse gave bria grant their she they basically put this in their tv section oh. so she got the money the kind of money that they would give to a tv movie like they're into the dark series oh not what they would do for like a theatrical a big theatrical release somebody knows how to stretch a dollar because right i enjoyed those into the dark movies a lot yeah me a too. lot mm-hmm but they largely, not entirely, but largely felt like they had a TV yeah. budget. Like a high TV budget, but a TV budget nonetheless. This felt, I mean, I guess it it had it felt like it had an indie budget, but it had the artistry of a good indie film. As yeah, opposed exactly. to something that was an episode. Which we should probably talk about her direction. Uh, I mean, I don't have a ton in this section except for to say that I do feel like I'm kind of starting to see her style between this Mm -hmm. and 12-hour shift. There's something very energetic about her direction. And I'm thinking particularly in that chase scene Mm -hmm. after she whips that gun out from in the closet. (laughs) So She's like, uh, the right accessory makes an outfit. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, and that style really speaks to me. I mean, there's something kinetic about it. Like, it's frantic and yet controlled. And I just really love it. Yeah, well, I think because a lot of times when you get fight scenes or chase scenes in movies the camera moves so quickly and it's one of my pet peeves in more modern movies that you often can't track exactly what's happening because of how frenetic that camera work is Mm -hmm. and there are points at which you want it to be like that because that frantic you know camera movement is conveying something emotionally about what's happening in the scene but it's overused to death it's like a, a trick that directors think make their movies look cooler or whatever. Mm-hmm. I hate it. But here, Brie Grant never does that, ever. You yeah. feel how fast things are happening and how dire things may be or stressful or tense, but it's not because the camera's doing crazy things. Like, she is focused on her target. 
Do right. you know, I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yes. She opts for intimacy yes. over being erratic with the camera. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, okay. All right. So I think we're on the record for being pretty big geeks for this movie. Was there anything that didn't work for you? I think, I mean, I've already hinted at something that I'm still processing. Yeah. So I'll wait to talk about to the end when you do, because I think we probably feel largely the same way about it. I would say... Katie Seagal was so amazing. And I think Abby Quinn was really good too. She is, her performance is so natural and so believable. Like she really Mm -hmm. inhabited that character. I think Alexis Lemire is really good too in every scene except her final beat when she goes a little campy. I didn't totally buy her emotions in that scene. Oh, I did. You know why (laughs) I know I bought it is because I was like, Oh, okay. Because she was like every mean girl on the planet to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely in the, in definitely the, the lines give me that. I just mean when she's getting into Jordan's face Mm -hmm. and when she kind of crouches down, I just think wasn't quite up to the level of like Katie Seagal. But I know that's, well, I mean, That's me. Like, you know what? You just aren't quite Michael Jordan. <laughs> but you just keep playing your well, little listen, you're game of horse. <laughs> oh. Okay. So <laughs> the other thing is. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. I I'm actually just wouldn't have mind if there was even more camp in it. But that's like a personal yeah. thing. I love mm-hmm. camp. So if, me too. if they had let them go just a little bit farther right at the end, I think yeah. that would have been really fun. And the other thing is just the setup for the movie itself is pretty predictable. It's, it's a plot idea that we've seen a lot before in past movies. But I don't really care that much because – she goes to interesting places yeah. and she surprised yeah. me in the end. So, mm-hmm. and that's really what I care about. And I think sometimes you can use kind of a predictable plot structure to get your audience to like buy in really quickly yeah. to understand where you are. And then it's easier to surprise you because you right. think you're going in one direction. Like you know? put the energy in a different place. Exactly. I'm going to tell you like a much more nuanced thing that's going to require you to use your brain. So yep. like, let me, let me give you what you know and then introduce you to something new. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay, so my only compli- mm-hmm. like issue, and I don't even know if this is a criticism because, like I said, I feel like there are two parts of me. There is the okay. audience in me who found this hard because the world is terrible and I want a little escapism. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there's the part of me that's like, okay, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about that this is a trap and a cautionary tale. And at the end of the day, if you play this game, the, the house always wins, yeah. you know? And so it's hard to watch Caleb take their music, consume them, use them. I mean, even in death, the bodies aren't even cold yet. And he's exploiting them for himself. Yeah. And lying about how much of a relationship he had with all of them. Yeah. Yes. And so it was not fun to watch. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I wanted Jordan to get out of there. I felt like she earned it. But at the end of the day, she did participate in this internalized misogyny. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was tearing Lee down, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think maybe because I am always going to side with the not mean girl. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, absolutely. But she's a villain, too, ultimately. There are are points in the movie where she recognizes that they should be working together. Yeah. Whereas the other girl never does. Right. Where she tries to grab her hand and like, come here, like, let me, let's protect each other. Let's move through this together. Mm -hmm. And Lee never has that moment. So I think that because of that, Jordan is much more relatable in that way. And you want her to get out, even though she did some shitty things too. Yeah. Oh, she's brutal. Yeah. Brutal. It is rough, that conversation. Like, it is the, like, hereditary kitchen, except for horizontal hostility in the boudoir. (laughs) Right, yeah. Oh, that always gets me in movies. It's like, and it gets me in real life, too. When people fight. Mm, They just cut to the white meat. Yes. When you're Mm. willing to say the thing that you know is going to hurt the other person the most, it's so deep. Those people really scare me in real life. Yes, Like, I will do anything to not have people like that in my life maybe that's fake maybe that's phony of me but i cannot be around someone who does not have guardrails around their mouth yeah exactly i can't do it i'm too sensitive and i also just think it's 
kind of a character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. It's hard for me because like I'm not, a, I'm not good at fighting in like the opposite way. I shut down and I don't say anything, and right. that's not healthy either. But it means my that poor it... shower is like abused. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I want to say gets said in there, and it's just like <laughs> stop. Shower after every fight. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when when you watch characters do that to each other, it's brutal, mm-hmm. brutal. It just it hits you right in the gut. And they do yeah. a good job in this movie. I mean, you yeah. buy their relationship together. We saw them literally punch each other. Those verbal slaps may be even more painful to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the other thing I would say, and this is, again, not a real criticism. The one thing I wish we had pushed it a little further war- with. Yeah. Violence. I could have used totally a little agree. more. Mm-hmm. I wish that we had gone over the top with the killing of Richie Rally Jones. Like it, <laughs> yeah. the movie cuts away a little bit, and I really wanted to see the blood spurting. I wanted mm-hmm. to see the whole thing. And also in the final fight scene, I almost wish there was a few more injuries. Just a little, just a little more violence. Yeah. Just a tiny I, I bit. totally, I totally a agree. Whisper more would be nice. <laughs> but that also is I'm a sicko. I'm, you know. Decades of horror watching. <laughs> it would have added to that sort of campy vibe too that that comes at the end if there had been more like spurts of blood. Like and, what and if it had just gotten super splattery? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. this would I be wonder if it like... wasn't a concession to the budget though. I bet. I bet. Yeah. I'm th- like I said, I don't think this is a fair criticism. This is no, like I mean it's yeah. That's it's just fair. something I would have wanted. If Bria was like, I'm Bria Santa, what would you like for <laughs> in this movie? I'd be like, More blood. Yeah. But yeah. again, I think that's probably not true for everyone. Like people who are not like my favorite rape revenge film is revenge because uh-huh. it's so <laughs> bloody. And I, I, I almost wish we had a little, just a touch more abattoir in this. I, I, I did like agree. the, I did like the cutoff finger. That was awesome. When yeah. she uses the finger to get out of the oh, basement. I know. That was really fun. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it was really great. Yeah. And all, finding all those jars was really enjoyable. It was, I know. <laughs> so weird. The eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's pretty much it in that case. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say overall, what did, would you recommend? Did you like it? Yes. A hundred percent. You got to watch it. It's really fun. Even if you aren't a Bria Grant super fan like we are, you should still watch this movie. It's really enjoyable. And if you've never seen country music on horror ton together before, uh, this is your chance. It's really good. Yeah, absolutely. It's fresh. It's fun. It's funny. It has yep. interesting things to say. And it has Katie Seagal. What else do you want, I mean, people? Yeah. <laughs> what else do you want? I don't know. If you're still here, I don't know. You must have already seen the movie because hopefully you've already jumped ship and are watching it because it's great all right that is it for our review of torn hearts if you have some thoughts on what we had to say you have some suggestions some feedback some questions maybe a movie you'd like to see us cover there are lots of ways that you can communicate to us about that and we would love to hear from you you can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the zombie girls facebook page you can also follow us on instagram and twitter at zg podcasts that's podcast plural we have a lot of really great content on there Ariel is the master of our social media and she is <laughs> really that. incredible. I was, uh, while you were taking a quick break, I was looking at our Instagram and like, there's one on there that I was like, this is funny because it's true and it hurts my feelings, <laughs> but I'm also amused. So if you want to feel that, you should definitely follow us on, on uh, social media. If you're looking for something else spooky to watch tonight, because you've already watched Torn Hearts, you should check out our video on demand and streaming calendar where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening all over the internet because <laughs> there's a lot out there, especially it's summer now, so shit's popping off, right? Very true. There's so yes. much out there. <laughs> yes. Oh, and also if you want to follow our Instagram because then you can see all the amazing queer creators that we're highlighting. They're amazing and you want to know about them. Your fandom will be enriched by knowing about them or you already know about them and you love them and you can enjoy seeing them celebrated because they deserve it. Yep. All right. If you want to support us, there's a few different ways you can do that. Number one, numero uno, the one that would make my freaking day is if you would go on to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you are getting your podcasts and leave us a review or a star rating on Spotify. I think it's just star ratings. Whatever the case may be, it's one of the ways that you can actually really help us. Easy peasy, free, like I said, make my whole freaking day. Or if you want to support us with a little, 
you can do that a couple of ways. You can buy our cool merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. Uh, I'm looking at my partner who's currently wearing a Stream Queens shirt awesome. and looks awesome. Yep. <laughs> the other day I went hiking in Muir Woods and I repped my zombie girl shirt. Oh, that's so much fun. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and so it's it's cool stuff. You should check it out. Or you can support us on Patreon. Yep. We have a Patreon. I'm sure you've never heard of it before, but we do have one. I always say this. That's, that's the joke. Anyway, <laughs> one of the cool things you get is extended episodes on every show across the network. You also can join our Discord, which is a ton of fun. And we have a lot of cool bonus content and live content. We've got <laughs> our latest episode is a ton of fun. We revisited King's Cup. Ariel did great. Even though she was nervous <laughs> about it, she did a really good job. I it was hilarious. And then I drank too much. And then I, I said things I probably shouldn't have said. <laughs> I know. You get to find out all of Ariel's sexy secrets oh, on this God. bonus episode. If you've ever wanted to hear about her sexy secrets, this is this is the time to hop on the Patreon. <laughs> we have some other fun bonus content coming up, including it's going to either be in this month or next month we're still ironing out the exact date i think it's probably going to be july 30th mm-hmm. we're going to have our live midsomar episode and it's not that we're reviewing the movie we're we're it's just more thematically <laughs> yes impossible costumes especially from rachel oh there will be costumes <laughs> that i can assure you of <laughs> so yeah now is a great time to become a patron if you've been thinking about it all right, that just leaves what our plans for the next episode, unless people are sticking around for that extended episode. What are we going to be watching on the next one? Give me all the deets. I have a feeling this one's going to be kind of exciting. Yes. So because it is Pride Month, yes. we are having a very special guest on. I'm super excited about this. So we are having Andrew from the Friday the 13th podcast yes! come on. And Yay! we are going to be reviewing a little movie. <gasps> called revenge yes (laughs) i love this movie so much i I love this movie so i'm just putting this out there right now sorry i'm spoiling my opinion also i mean i talk about this every chance i get i love this movie (laughs) and i'm so excited to talk about it again (laughs) i'm thrilled 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 to talk about this movie (laughs) it's gonna be hilarious if andrew comes on is like i picked this because it's the worst movie (laughs) and we're gonna be like oh no awkward <laughs> but anyways, Friday the Thirteenth is an awesome podcast. If you're not already listening, you guys should go subscribe. They are amazing on that show, and they do this really cool thing where they combine talking about real world horrors and stuff that's happening in the news with actual horror movies. So it's it's really mm-hmm. great. You should mm-hmm. check it out. He's going to be awesome. So we can't wait. Awesome. Okay, so quick synopsis for Revenge. It is. Never take your mistress on the annual guy's getaway, especially one devoted to hunting a violent lesson for three wealthy married men. Directed by Coralie Fargo. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Me too. Great. Okay. Well, unless people are sticking around, that is it for us. So Ariel, why don't you go ahead and take us out? All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our review of Bria Grant's new movie, Torn Hearts. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And be back here in two weeks for our review of Revenge with Andrew from Friday the 13th. Bye, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. I don't know. Remix! Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Missman Rucker. And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Neal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode, a.k.a. More Deadly After Dark. <laughs> Although I don't know how dark this episode is I know, we be. usually record in the evenings, and so by the time we get to the extended, yeah. it is dark outside, but we're More Deadly this. <laughs> Afternoon. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is still light outside. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to start with a confession. Oh. Okay. I may have been maybe a little bit slightly teeny tiny for the first time ever wrong uh-huh. about something oh wow yeah i know i know You're it's hard to believe person. i'm i'm impressed You're look at my personal growth yeah i know i know <laughs> i know so i might not 
a hundred percent under every con- single condition hate hiking. <gasps> Holy cow. I was wondering if you were ever going to bring this up because <laughs> I've been noticing you dropping those pictures into discord about your hikes. So oh, I hate myself so much. Like I'm like, this is the worst like Bay area thing that has ever happened to me. Like, but it's great for a reason, right? Now, to be fair, okay. like just hiking, like, oh, hiking is still no. It has to be, have very <laughs> specific parameters. Okay. What are your parameters? Let's it cannot it. be hot. Mm. It okay. must have shade. Okay. The hills must be limited. <laughs> okay. Like it has gotcha. to be enjoyable. There has to be an actual path. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Path Pref- is fine. Uh, like preferably paved, but sometimes it's okay if it's not. But okay. only if it fits the other parameters. <laughs> so if it is a if it is more of a walk than a hike, and I'm not super hot, and I'm, the sun is not beating down on me, okay, then I am having like actually kind of a great time, right? <laughs> it's so beautiful. You get to like adventure around, yeah, see cool stuff, chat yeah. while you're walking, yeah. I think because every other hiking experience I had had until recently has been hot, sweaty. Okay. Like to- exertion to the point where it's not fun anymore. Gotcha. Whereas lately these started a little more casual and have like, they have increased in difficulty a little bit, but mm-hmm. still within my parameters. Um, what I have realized is there's all of these redwoods around me. Yeah. Like, Hello? but places I did not realize, like there's a redwoods forest in Oakland. Uh huh. I did not know about this. So like if I'm walking on a path in the redwoods and there's the hills are not ridiculous. It's kind of nice. Yeah. I actually <laughs> look forward to it. Yesterday I spent like an entire day walking through Muir Woods. Like for hours. Love like Muir Woods. Like probably I don't know, four to five hours walking through Yay, Muir Woods. I'm so glad. Doesn't it yeah. feel kind of rejuvenating too to be in nature that way and away from I, the city? Yeah, forest bathing is maybe a thing. Yeah. It feels good. It's weird. I just don't recognize myself. I've been making a lot of changes in my life and I'm not they're good. And I'm not happy about it. I'm really upset about it. I don't like it, but here we are. 